0: Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Laura. We're longtime friends who know a good year at Real Talk can solve almost anything.
1: Now we're transferring our skills and experiences to our new coaching practice.
0: Whether you're making a big
1: decision, exploring a new path,
0: planning a project, or you just want to learn how coaching might help you, join us for our conversations on coaching through it. Welcome to
1: another conversation with coaches, and we're borrowing from the Coach to Coach podcast. This is my episode with uh, Dr. Katie Linder. Thank you for letting us repurpose and cross post. Here's this good podcast. Go check it out. Um, This will be my conversation ahead with Katie earlier 2021 uh, posted in March. And I talk about strengths and emphasizing them, I guess, and skills to help you emphasize your strengths. (laughs)
0: Um, Laura, I don't want to give much away because I know the podcast will talk about like how you got into the coaching piece. And I'm wondering since then, what have you learned? uh, And like learn to appreciate about the coaching program or this journey.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny. Um, a lot of people finish the program, and so I'm I'm actually graduated now, Julie. I don't know if you know this. I have a certificate that was just emailed to me on Monday of this week, and so I'm talking to you in uh, late July. And so I've graduated, meaning I've done all my courses, I've done my mentoring hours, I've done my observations where we listen through excruciating really bad early day coaching episodes, experiences, and we get critiqued and converse with our coach trainer. And um, I've done some of the all the homework. So I've graduated from the program, and I've now applied to ICF. And it's kind of like that kind of portfolio of self. Like you submit your hundred hours, you submit the certificate. Going to do like a knowledge exam soon, a coach knowledge assessment exam. Yay. And I'm kind of reflecting back to it's been a journey. And I think it's when you learn about along the way like, what do you like doing? What are you good at? Uh, kind of like the last episode, what's your niche? Who do you coach? And so I'm learning that coaching is an ever evolving process. Especially if you want to figure out your way as a coach, there's different types. There's different like um, life, health, fitness, uh, finance, you name it. And figuring out who you're, where you sit in what pocket of coaching, has been kind of a interesting experience. And I think I'm still wading my way through, but taking some of those. Skills and tools that we've learned from courses that we've been in has been really helpful. And being reminded of these tools that, oh, yeah, we learned about that in 101. And now I should be still using this wheel of life I forgot about. Uh, so, yeah, I'm learning, always be learning.
0: I love it. And I know you've connected with the ICF. Tell me what you've experienced with that.
1: Yeah, so when you are a coach, and even before you officially become certified, you should apply to the International Coaching Federation. ICF is the bodied place where our program is certified. Uh, we are a certified training program. Um, ACTP is what Julie and I went through, meaning we did the coursework up to 125 plus hours of coach training with homework and other things. Um, you can apply pre-hours complete, and you can get into um Whatever time time of year you can join, become a member, and they have communities of practice in different domains. So there's a career one I'm looking forward to. Um, They have peer mentoring experiences, so peer to peer mentoring, as well as mentoring hours if you're looking for supervision. Um, You'll hear about this on the later episode where Isabel, one of our guests, talks about that. And they just have interesting offerings where they curate, whether it's podcasts, webinars, resources. And toolkits. So I think you and I have talked about, um, or maybe we've talked about offline around contracts. So they have examples of ethical statements, contracts, things you should include, um, maybe tools to help you in your practice. So there's like a inside uh, the website when you log into a portal, you have access to all these neat things and opportunities. And what I liked as a new member of ICF, they have like an intro call, which I thought I was just going to show up to like a show and tell. No, you show up with like 90 of your closest coach friends, and you're on little videos that. <laughs> seven in the morning with with you didn't brush your hair. And you can ask and learn about the process of getting certified, the different paths, um, portfolios or where do you want to fit in and grow? And so the idea of professional development and ongoing support is really important because once you get certified, you do have professional development hours you'll want to work on, things you want to tool up in or consider of what's going to help your practice and process um, beyond your your first level of ACC 100-hour certification. So, I'm excited to dig in more and there was a recording and if I could secretly share it with you, Julie, I will. Um, And I think it's going to be a fun community to jump in and get involved in like any other professional org. Um, They have chapters. Guess what? We have a chapter.
0: We do. That's
1: fun. Huge it sounds there meets in Edmonds, So I'm excited that maybe we'll do some meetup things if we're syncing in person. And you can join and affiliate yourself with as many chapters. There's lots of, it's very international. So unlike the other orgs that say they are, these ones will have podcasts in language that's German or Spanish led sessions that are in the training and a cool feature. Um, Converge is one of their conferences. It's coming up in the fall. It's uh $300. If you're a member 400, if you're not, it's all virtual and which is rare because those kind of conferences in um, most corporate-led industry conferences are very expensive. So it being virtual gives an open access to anyone who wants to attend. So I think I'm excited to see more about that because there's research that the org does, um, and there's also executive reports. And fun facts, Like almost half of coaches are not coaching professionally, but they're managers or leaders in their organization where they work. Um, there's only a small percentage that coaches their actual job bunch of freelancers, but a lot of it has been who's using it as a leader in their work and leading teams in their org. So I think that's been kind of interesting to see what people are doing. Um, And you can log in and see what other coaches are around you, their credentials, their background, how you can market yourself more or less. And I think that's a neat um, aspect of being in this community now. And yeah, I can't wait for you to join, join the club, Julie.
0: I know. I need to get there. I'm excited. It really feels like a solid next step to help kind of suss out like, which direction do I want to go? Right. Yeah. Part of our learning process for sure has been, I don't have to do this like everybody else. Right. How, how often do we say that to ourselves in any, <laughs> any given process? So
1: on the daily Julie, Oh wait, you mean this? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> <You're waiting.
0: laughs> All right, Laura, I'm excited to go back uh, and and hear your early reflections on your time.
2: Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. This season, I'm excited to share conversations with some of the participants in my coach training program. I get questions all the time about how people know it's the right time to become a coach, what the various career pathways are that lead to coaching, and what people decide to do with their coaching skills after earning a credential. This season, we're tackling all of these topics and more. A huge thanks to each coach in training who offered to come on the show and share about their experiences with learning this new skill set. In this episode, you'll hear from Dr. Laura Pasquini, whose passion is talent. Laura loves supporting coaching clients as they unlock their own plans, identities, and goals for their professional growth and career journeys. Hi, Laura. I'm so glad that you're joining me on this season of Coach to Coach.
1: It's so great and fun to be here. Thanks for the invite.
2: Yeah, I am so excited to hear a little bit more and to share with our audience about your coaching journey. And I'm wondering if you can talk first about just your introduction to coaching as a thing that exists in the world. I think that everybody kind of comes to an awareness about coaching in different ways. So how did you come to know about it?
1: Like I've been coached my whole life, Katie. This is like digging back into like little Laura days. Um I've always been coached actually my whole life. Uh, it started from swim team to uh, track and field to uh, cross country running to basketball, volleyball. I'm like a sports kid in general. Um so coaches were always in my life uh, since I was like, I don't know three four. I don't know. Yeah, I was swimming probably. I was a little polywog back in the day, um, so I am always used to getting feedback. And I live with a teacher who acts like a coach, my father. So I feel like I've always gotten um, support, advice, being challenged, and that's kind of my initial coaching experience. Uh, and talking coaches broadly, but um, thinking to coaching in general, I was interested in. Um, Coaching for me is interesting of mine because I had a lot of parallel work and jobs professionally that lend um, some skills towards coaching and some to, uh, not to coaching that I'm trying to pull back on, like academic advising, mentoring, Um Faculty development, uh, peer peer kind of development as a faculty member back in the day. So I guess coaching for me has been morphed into a, <laughs> what I did physically now to what I work with uh, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, holistically these
2: days. Okay, so I'm curious. Like, obviously, you have this like vast background <laughs> working in these areas. Was there something in particular that led you to thinking? I think I want to do this work. Like I think I want to gain the skills, work on the skills to become a coach myself. Yeah. So
1: I guess I have been informally coaching and by informally, I've been not working towards certification coaching like I am now. Um, My whole life, I was 16 and I picked up God, I was such a nerdy kid. I picked up the book, Do What You Are, trying to figure out what to do with my life and my career and what I want to do. And it's the equivalent of the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs, um, figure out where your personality fits. And I started reading things like that and the interest is strong. So it's really hilarious that most of my working life, I always worked in some sort of, advising, career coaching capacity, um, whether it was as a full-time position, uh, faculty member that's a mentor, or really with friends and family that loosely come to me and uh, go to my book library and myself and talk about the things they're thinking about around their career. So, I guess that's been always something that's driven me to look at that because it's I'm always just interested in people and their pathways in life. And work seems to be one of the biggest um, kind of things we do in our life. We spend a lot of time in the roles and careers and the jobs that we do. And I was just thinking about all the many, many mishmash jobs that people take for granted. But uh, as you grow up and you start doing these different things, whether they were scooping ice cream to being a tour guide, um, you, you definitely pick up. What you're good at, what your talents are, what your skills you'd like to improve on and what you aren't that great at and don't ever want to do in your life. So that's kind of been where coaching dropped into my lap. And yeah, this started when I was 16 and probably went throughout my whole life uh, in different capacities and roles that I've had.
2: Okay. So one of the things that has been so fun to talk with you about, Laura, over the time we've known each other is you and I started new jobs basically on the same day in 2020. And so we've been kind of tracking along and and hearing about each other's journeys. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that structure of kind of the timing of your life when you decided to embark on coach training, because I think that even if it's something you know you're headed toward, making that decision of like, now is the right time for me to invest my time, my energy, my resources to kind of do this training. And it's curious to me that you did it in the year when there was a lot of new stuff going on and it's a pandemic year and all these other things. Can you talk a little bit about how you knew it was the right time to pursue coach training?
1: Yeah, um, I guess I realized in general, um, I quit my job in 2019. Uh, So I had a full-time faculty role at a university I actually got a job within the week that I quit my job at another position to in the university um that was a little bit different something I was really interested in and I just realized is this really what I want to be doing and um it may be on the cusp of my 40th birthday and when you're whenever you're like a niner at 29 a 39 a 59 you're always thinking like what am I going to do this next decade so this happened uh the fall um before the pandemic really came out. So um, I was really thinking about like, where do I want to go? And I guess some of the ideas around this is what do I want to be doing the next five to 10 years? And um, I remembered listening to a few of your different podcasts and there wasn't really coaching when I listened to, it was the make my way and figuring things out. And the time I quit, I knew I could pick up a couple side jobs to, uh, I say, keep the lights on, get healthcare, you know, keep things going as I job searched. But a lot of that was the year before the pandemic was thinking about what do I really want to know? What do I really want to be doing? And what's my next thing in my work life? Because after spending 15 plus years in higher ed, I was kind of like, I want to just try something different and get outside my comfort zone. And I was like, a lot of my work before even started the coaching was, what do people do when they make these pivots or transitions? And so I did a lot of deep dive and reading around that sort of, work or, and also behinds, like where people build up their own careers or their own businesses. And so um, some of the reason I decided to sign up for coaching and I was going to do it earlier, but it, like you said, we both started a job early t- 2020. And I, I wanted to do some of the work to get people to think about the questions I was asking. And, and I knew that coach training for what I knew I would offer the foundations of these questions that were asking bigger life questions and asking deeper questions. And I was like, I could learn from that. And something that I like to do as a previous researcher, a podcast host myself, and also thinking about helping other people get to where they want to be. Um, it's really help, more helpful when they can help themselves and come to their own solutions. So uh, coach training, although in a pandemic, um, became this thing I started halfway through the year because I figured I'm not seeing friends or friends, family anymore. Travel's not a thing. Um, And they also wanted to invest in something that would, I would really enjoy doing. And so I knew that um, signing up for a coach train with you would be great to kind of unpack some skills I already had and sharpen the tool a little bit more.
2: Okay. So I want to back up to talking about 2019 (laughs) because you were saying, (laughs) and you were like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I'm trying to make this like five to 10 year plan. I know there are people listening to this going, What did you do? How did you figure it out? What were the things that you were like digging into? Can you talk about how you were kind of seeking that? Was it, were there reflective processes you were using or other tools that were kind of helpful as you were gathering ideas about what to do next?
1: Yeah, I have uh, lots of things. Um, yeah, before I quit my job in September um, yeah, September 2019, I had spent probably six to eight months before reading and reviewing things I wanted to get into and thinking about really what professional success and meaningful work looks like. And so I'm fortunate, like you, to have a podcast that I could bring people on to ask people questions. Um, and I also ask people offline questions about um, some of these transitions. So uh, the InVito podcast, I took... Uh, one season and from, I think it was like early March, April on, I interviewed 10 women to understand more around um, how and why they made a transition and things they thought about as they leaped away from something they knew and did something different. And so I was really seeking people that I knew in my personal life. So a few of them, like one of my friends, Studied psychology and she wanted to get into the FBI and to do this, she had to go police Academy. I was like, what was that like? Cause that's leaving the whole one world and jumping somewhere else. Um, someone else I knew that was on the beat, a investigative reporter went to like educational faculty development. I'm like, well, why'd you make that? Like, that's such a, a diverse change. So I had these conversations with um, eight that I recorded and a bunch of other folks in my life to say, well, where did you decide to make that move? And um, so some of it was me asking people questions and figuring out um, kind of the advice that we give to someone who's thinking about a career pivot or change, and then also reading and listening. So I love um, listening to a bunch of podcasts. So I uh, the Hello Monday podcast is one of my favorites. um, it's Sponsored by LinkedIn, uh, I love listening to like long form podcasts. It's writers, but they're people who talk about experiences and transitions of when they're creating. And that's also like the How I Built It one. So they think about like what are the things you were thinking about? How did you fail in the process? And what does it mean to come out of it now? And what have you learned? And those are kind of the things I was reading about, listening to, working on, probably journaling. Um, and I, it's something that's being and being in this process is a process. Like it's not over, like it's stuff that I continue to do. And I guess I would, was doing this for a lot of my life. I, I've taught courses around um, personal professional development was a course I taught for the last five years before. So the figure out what you want to do kind of thing after you leave university um, career coaching, like practices and um, reflections and assessments is something that's been ongoing. So I guess I read in this whole area a lot, but I wanted to put it into practice for myself and say, well, what are some things I could take away and what can I learn from? And I think some of my best like resources were coming from people sharing experiences of when they decide to take a leap somewhere or make a jump into a new area. And it's, it's really around the things you want to be doing and not less about like a title or, reaching some high level of importance in in a field. It's what do you actually want to be doing day to day? And like, what's your work going to look like? And do you enjoy that work? Is kind of what I had a lot of questions for folks that I talked to.
2: Okay. I'm going to link to all of this. (laughs) All the podcasts and various things um, that you've mentioned, because I think that's going to be really helpful for people. So as you're thinking about this now, I mean, you can kind of look back and kind of see where you were. And you said you're kind of still in the middle of it. Where do you feel like coaching is fitting within that in terms of kind of helping you to reflect, think about yourself, think about your skills? Are there particular things about your coaching development that's helping on that pathway?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the exploration piece the year before got me thinking about, well, what could I be asking clients that I coach Um, to get them to think about what they value. So I could say, this is what I did, but my own pathway is not going to work for anyone else. I'm happy to share, and you're lucky, Katie, this is all curated in a blog post. So I just give you that one. Um, I'm happy to share these resources, but I think it's going to be really independent. And I ask continually um, on that podcast, I ask, I have another one internally where I work, um, kind of like the best career pieces of advice that advice doesn't always work for everyone. And um, I think my more favorite question, more favorite, but the better question I ask in a current podcast I host internally at work is, what questions should I ask other people about their career pathways? And those questions, uh, when I talk to folks and ask, are so much more revealing and then they answer their own question. Um, So this coincides with coaching itself is, sometimes it's not the advice giving, or the resources, it's the questions that we get our clients to meditate on. And it might not be in the moment or it's something that they need to have marinate and think about later. But I've been so impressed of the ability to ask a a powerful question and a more purposeful, directed question that gets someone really going – I've never been asked that before. I don't know. And I need to think about that. And so um, that's the difference that I'm learning this. And I've learned the past year in 2020 um, is I I think sharpening those questioning skills is really going to be really helpful for my coaching practice because giving them something, giving a resource or uh, telling them what to do won't sustain the, the work and the practice that we, our coaching clients really need.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's so many different, areas and backgrounds that you're coming from, Laura, both as an academic and um, the work that you're doing now as a coach, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about if there are specific skills that you've kind of come to be aware of. And question asking, I think, is one of those skills with your background as a researcher as well that are really beneficial to coaches or that are beneficial to your role as a coach that you feel like are, are really being infused into this work.
1: Yeah, I think um the other thing is considering um considering ways to draw out story is really what I'm interested in because I just like that in general. So how can I get the client to tell the part of the story that is actually not all information seeking and context, but that is meaningful to them. And so um I think I've been good at picking up on um nonverbals and like thinking about something that someone's not asked them. And so this still goes back to like research and interviews. Like there's a reason I love Terry Gross. Uh, she asks questions that no one else asks. Right. And I also from uh, fresh air and PR, I think uh, there's also uh, power in someone who who is getting to know you and uh, you build a relationship with, as a coach you're in partnership, but you're not leading someone anywhere as a coach, you're like walking alongside and you're asking them something and giving them space to answer that question. And it's something we don't do enough in regular conversation, and maybe we do, but I've I learned more about the the pause and effect and like waiting to hear what they might be thinking about and giving them think space because I could be quick to jump in and add something, but it's also good to let people talk it out like you're doing right now in this podcast. It's great. You learn way much more.
2: Yeah, the power of silence. <laughs> Definitely something we true. focus on. <laughs> So I've been asking other folks this season, Laura, um, because many of you have jobs, you have full-time jobs in addition to the coaching work you're doing, maybe on the side, how coaching is impacting your work at your job, if it is at all, and are there ways that it's being implemented? I think it's helpful for people to hear the transferability of coaching skills, even in ways that might be kind of unusual. Can you speak to that at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have brought up coaching at my work. So I work in industry. I work for Amazon. I work in learning design there on a global team. And I think it's got the ability to infuse how we think about problems. Like we are really into problem solving and solutions and working together as a team. But when we team, I think we jump to some ideas before asking other questions. And so I brought up on my like little small team before we meet with the bigger, large team, uh, our global learn design team to say like, are we asking the how and what questions a bit more? And I know that my team, like even my boss has a post-it that says how and what as a coach. And we talk about like, how do we bring in, other people. So we have so many diverse people. We work with like content people or graphic designers or product teams that we all are looking at the same kind of device, digital service, or something that we're going to launch in a different ways. And so when we launch one of these new products or services, we all come at it from a different way. So if we don't ask some of these questions in advance, um, and getting to some of what would be a root problem. Um, so doing like a pre-mortem Asking those questions has really, been really helpful and giving people space to ask in groups. Because when we have team meetings, it's so easy to be like, someone leads a meeting and then goes, Does anyone have anything else to say? But if you can ask a better question in those meetings, it really elicits. Um, more conversation and more issues and ideas and concepts get brought out. So yeah, I've been secretly coaching there. No, I've been explicitly coaching with my team, but secretly with like some of the product and project managers that I work with. Um, As a program manager, we have to ask these to get clarification. And it it decides if we design something or if we need to change something or if um, it's not a learning problem at all. And we need to talk about that with the beta or product team. So I think it's been helpful to think around um, how you can work with others and how you can lead a team as well. And this is something I I don't lead a team. I'm an individual contributor, but I do lead a project that's a conference coming up. And so I think it's really critical to ask people that are on that committee these kind of questions and giving them space in the meeting to say, we're going to work on this one thing. Let's talk about the issue or talk about the concept or talk about the thing we need to tackle and giving them Opportunities to do that in a coaching kind of a group coaching style has been really fun to apply to practice.
2: Okay. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because one of the things we talk about in coach training is individual coaching versus kind of group coaching. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that because I think that this is a different approach in terms of just um, the goal of what you're trying to do when you're involving more than one person and it can really, some of the principles are the same, but it can kind of shift um, the tone of what you're trying to do as a coach. Can you talk a little bit more about? I don't know if you want to talk about strategies or approaches that you're using when it involves more of a team approach or a group approach.
1: Yeah, so I think the group approach is interesting because um, we're sometimes on the same team and sometimes we're not. And so I think it's it (sighs) coaching and bring up an idea or an issue and singularly getting to it and getting to that root problem is kind of what we do in our world of work. And so I think talking about these issues in advance of like launching, like we move really quick at our work. And so for us, A half hour meeting that gets people to get input is more um, informative before we do this thing that will happen in two days. So sometimes it it takes a bit of time and planning, but I think setting up the structure of what we're working on. So, in a group coaching setting, we want to know kind of like, um, this is the agenda. We still set that with them. It's we kind of say, what do we want to accomplish by the end of this meeting? And it is still group coaching in a way, um, it's maybe not by the book, but it gets other people to spin off ideas. So the idea that someone would ask another question besides me. So this often happens because we're very inquisitive folks. Um, I might ask about well, what are some blockers if we launch this in January? And then we talk about the different marketplaces or we talk about um, the other issues that might come up and other people start asking questions. And so it's not just me, the coach that facilitates. It's it's kind of cool to see the bounce off of ideas, the soundboarding techniques and the brainstorming that happens. Um, and people can walk away from a group coaching session like that which is a really productive team meeting in actual fact and say, well, these are the takeaways and this is what I'm going to work on. This is the help I need to go find out or what I need to learn more about when I leave. So it gets a really targeted um, issue or concept or thing we need to tackle in a really neat way. And, you do feel like people are coming to a meeting and those meetings are meaningful because who's got time for a wasteful meeting these days, not us. So I think it's, uh, it's been cool to see that. So I, I don't tend to whole lot of meetings in general in my work, but when I do, I think having it in a group coaching setting makes it more purposeful. It gives meaning. And then you have everyone contributing and walking away with kind of, accountability in a way, tasks they're going to work on, things they're going to follow up with, and then things are going to come back to the next week and say, okay, this is what I've done. Or um, And those that watch asynchronously, because that happens on our global team, they know what we've worked through and they, they see the action items that come at the bottom of, all right, this has been assigned to me, I'll work on that.
2: Hmm. Okay. That's fascinating. <laughs> So I'm curious, Laura, if there are particular things you know. You came from this background. You have these skills that you're bringing into this coach training work. But are there things that are helping you to build your confidence as a coach? Either aspects of the coach training program, things that are outside of the program, applying it in your work, like you're describing here with the the group approach. What are the things that are really helping you to feel like you're getting a handle on this skill set?
1: I think it's ongoing. I I don't know about like a handle on it. I think keeping to coach and practicing coaching, um, practicing with the training has been great, but like coaching clients has been really fun for me um, because they're all different and it it does kind of pinpoint kind of the niche I'm in and what I'm interested in supporting. It doesn't mean I couldn't coach on different topics, but I think there is a reason why come folks come to me. And so the other thing I've been thinking more about is um what else should I be reading or learning about on the side? And that's something I don't think people realize that many coaches continue to study the practice and study themselves and study whatever their area is. Um, so I think it's an o- the ongoing kind of learning and self-study is really fun for me. Um, some of the things I think, I, I think are helpful that I've learned about is um, listening back to how I coach. And I'm not uncomfortable with audio like you. Um, podcasting will do that too if you have to edit mm-hmm. hours of it. Um, but I do recognize patterns of things I say. So um, the observations that we do in your coach trainings have been helpful for that, but also recording and just doing some of my own self-work to follow up with a client has been really impactful to say, I listened back or I noticed this because I took some notes. From the recording. Um, and I've had co- conversations that kind of follow that connecting the piece. So you're not just meeting someone for an individual session. If you've got multiple packages and uh, multiple sessions in a package, you can say, Well, we talked about this and I just listened back to our f- initial session. We're in session three now. There's been some growth or you've accomplished this. So it's been interesting to see um, the power of listening to yourself or recording yourself and documenting yourself learning. Um, I've always, really valued and that's why I podcast and blog and do other things is to see the progression in myself as a coach but also in my clients is also immensely important to me so um I don't know I think it's ongoing I don't think you stop like just because you get a certification or something or a degree I don't think you stop learning I think that just influences you to get into it more and figure out what else you could be learning to enhance what you do
2: yeah I mean I remember around the time that I was getting my PhD and kind of wrapping up, all I could think to myself was there are so many other master's degrees that I want to go get now. Like I, I had such an awareness of like what I didn't know. And I mean, we could all, I think there's a lot of lifelong learners out there who could just keep collecting degrees, credentials, you know, all these kinds of things because it's really interesting. Now I know Laura, you also recently pursued another credential, um, which I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about because I think that there is Something about pursuing learning in kind of a structured way um, of a credential, and and why you would choose to go in that direction, both with coach training, but also with this other one. So, can you share about the other credential that you recently pursued as well? And just what is it about the credentialing process that feels important to you?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'm like anti-institution and credential, so I don't know why I did any of this. Uh, that's a great question. So, I think <laughs> um, I really think why did I do that? Yeah. I think in my mind, I had to say to industry, yeah, I got a PhD, but I also do the thing, So I am an academic and always have been, I love research and writing, but I've also been an applied academic where everything I research goes back into the real world, quote unquote. Um, higher ed's an industry as well. And we just have never looked at it. And it's an industry I'll probably come back and study now as an outsider more. Um, I think credentialing at some point wanted me to prove that I knew the things I was teaching about. So the credential you're talking about is through uh, the Association for Talent Development had this credential called Certified Professional in Learning Performance. Now it's called Certified Professional in Talent Development rebrand. And I started this last fall, 2019. So around October, I said, I'm going to try and do this because essentially in my PhD program, the doctoral program and the master's program that I taught And some of the undergrad courses I taught, I was teaching um, all my learners around uh, learning sciences, talent development, human resources, employment stuff all around. So, like, I taught everything from, like, intro to training development to um, human resources for business education, something. Like, so I taught a bunch of courses and I was like, I've been teaching this for, like, years. And then I want to know if I can apply this to, like, some of the case scenarios. So, the credential has... um, a few different kind of areas. So it's everything from coaching included um, to performance improvement instructional design, training management, um, technologies around it. And it's changed over the years. So the credentials now into a um, set of competencies, they're called capacities in three different areas. And it's really around the work that we do. Um, so, I've been really into finding organizations that value learning and I work for one that does that really well right now. Um, But at the time, I think I wanted to prove that I had the chops in some ways to do this. And I also think it's, um, I thought this is a recognized thing. So credentials, I I shouldn't say I scoff at, um, but it's very few people have their CPTD now or CPLP. There's probably a few thousand people in the world and that's it. Um, I also wanted people to say, yeah, you have this year's experience. um, And it's recognized by this trade as this association of professionals. So it's kind of cool to be in a class that um, very few people do. I think coaching for me, I I scoffed it because I met someone back in when I was living in Toronto, so the early aughts, and she's like, I'm going to be a life coach. And I was like, is that a thing? And so I also wanted to say, um, do this credential to go, well, what exactly is based on the foundations I read about International Coaching Federation, ICF? um, I was like, what would they really be looking at? And how is this kind of regulated, looked at? Um, And I was kind of like, I get the idea of certifying that people have this done, because the other area I taught in was human resource management. So SHRM does credentials. And I've seen the value of saying, this is a certified professional in this. And this, we do this in many, many organizations and accrediting bodies out there for all the things that people do in the world of work. So I kind of wanted to see, could I test my own skills and abilities and meet these competencies or capacities uh, for that exam? And it was just exam-based. And I thought i I did not, uh, pass the first go around. It used to be a two-part exam. So I failed in January and then they changed the exam and I said, well, I'm going to keep studying and I will do the new exam. It's one exam and done. I hate, hate, uh, exams. Um, I'm not a really great test taker, even though I've done the LSAT I've done like, and I've done okay on them. Um, the, like everything was a GRE in here. Um, I will, yeah, I would say I'm not a big test taker myself, but I wanted to prove that I could do it and accomplish it. Um, even if I'm not really good at that thing, why not try it? And um, yeah, you could fail and then go back and do it again. And I, I passed this fall, uh, last fall 2020. And so um, that means part of that certification for CPTD is continuing practice and talent development. So um, getting learning experiences, c- contributing back to the profession. Um, so you, to keep this credential every three years, you have to do things. You don't take another test. You have to contribute back to the work of learning and talent development and growth and performance improvement. So I'm excited to be part of that community and coaching. I saw is the same thing. I was kind of like, Oh, it means you keep building that those skills and those tools and your practice. And whether it's the hundred hours towards the ACC level or the five 500, um, if you continue to coach, I think it's kind of a nice way to give um, a signifier that you are working towards something in a professional community that recognizes the work you do. And they're doing the same thing. It might look slightly different, but we're all following the same kind of foundational work and guidelines. So, I kind of like that. I like communities of practice. And so, these are just official, organized, and accrediting body
2: ones that do that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like part of what you're describing is like this Commitment that you make to a thing that you're learning about Mm -hmm. that you're saying from this point on, at least right now, I want to be committed enough to this that I'm going to continue my like continued education in this area because not only is it required, you know, by this organization that I'm now credentialed through, but it's my own commitment to the practice of doing this thing.
1: Yeah, and it's something that I don't necessarily need um, a professional org to do, but I do appreciate that organizations that have those kind of competencies or credentials that it's it's kind of neat to be part of that um, select few that are saying I do want to be part of this practice and grow my own learning and support other in their, others in their learning. So I think there is some value in that, um, and it's a recognition. So there are, as you know, uh, when you apply for. Uh, jobs. There are people looking for that. That's actually like to see those sort of things, CPTD or CPLP in there, or a certified coaching is in some um, in job descriptions. PMP, project management, is another one. Like they are looking for people with those skill sets. And so, I don't think another degree would suit me well. I love that your love of masters came up. Um, I was like, well, what can I do to? get me to practice the thing I want to do. And coaching is one of them I think is really cool. Like I, I'm also doing like an Adobe creative suites kind of learning session because I want to up my animation skills. Um, I don't know if I, the credential for that won't matter, but the thing that comes out of the credential is like coaching. I will be able to um, say I'm honing this practice and this is how it's growing. And I'm tracking kind of what I'm doing. Um, I do like that. It gives you uh I guess some ways hope in this year of weirdness Mm -hmm. ahead of us. Um, And it gives you some things to strive for in a way. And this is kind of always what I've done, whether it's been a credential or training for a marathon or writing some people say a dissertation or book, like these are things you kind of incrementally work on along the way and your outcome might be some certification or a completion of something. Um, And it gives you something to work for and strive for. So I do like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Laura, is there anything else you want to share about your pathway or your journey to coaching that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet?
1: Um, One thing I think about, which is kind of interesting, like you and I talked before we hit record, is I think some people see it as a way to leave the thing they're doing. Mm. And I don't. Um, So something, I was having a conversation with someone else who does like independent consulting And they had asked me about like, are you doing this? And I think my other boss had asked like, you're doing this for your next job or to leave or do your own thing. And I was like, why can't it just be something you do on the side? Mm -hmm. And um, I do think coaching could be a fun um, side job if you wanted that, but it's also a good practice that maybe it grows into something else and maybe it becomes your full-time thing. But it doesn't have to. It could just inform your next professional role. It could inform how you <laughs> parent little ones. It could inform um, how you think about your, how you reflect on your own work in life. Um, so it doesn't have to be a, I'm doing this thing to get out of somewhere or, or change my job. But it's doing this to make yourself more reflective and um, it really does hone working with people one-to-one and in group or community uh, if that's what you choose. So I I think coaching could be a really cool skill set. And Julie and I have talked about this on our podcast on coaching, um, co- coaching through it. There's my plug. Um, we talked a bit about like, you could coach people t- into like political positions and roles. Like, so if you want, or coaching a movement, right? Mm-hmm. So a community of people trying to change something in the world. Like I just think coaching is a cool thing to have in your back pocket. So it doesn't always have to be um, uh, the ultimate, like I'm going to start my own business and do this thing. It could just be something that opens your eyes a bit more into how you want to live and work in the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Laura, as always, I have a plethora of things to put into the show notes, tons of resources and things for people to check out from you. I want to thank you so much for your generosity of coming on the show, sharing your time, your expertise, and your experiences. It was good to talk to you.
1: It was a delight. I always
2: like talking to you and learning with and from you all the time. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coach to Coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatylinder.com slash coach.
0: Be sure to listen to the next episode by subscribing to our podcast.
1: We always welcome comments and questions.
0: Send us an email at coachingthroughit@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: Until then, we'll be figuring it out on Coaching Through It.